today we're going to be talking about <clears throat> righteousness. Um, and as soon as I can get my notes up. <clears throat> Once again, I'll be referring in this class from uh, the way of the righteous, and it is uh, a great resource. If you've not purchased it or started reading, it's made by Ram Kham, Rabbi Moshe Kham Lazato. Very good book. Um, I'm sorry. Mr. Let Yitzharin. And um, and it really goes into detail on the concept of righteousness, and it will really, really help a lot. Uh, righteousness, uh, there's a common Hebrew word that we're going to hear, uh, tzedek. Uh, we hear ger tzedek, a righteous non-Jew, ger tzedek. Uh, but it's a person who's developed uh, their... Um, their character and, and moral proclivity to do what is right and moral at all times, and also what is according to the Torah. Um, we've had this discussion that there are a lot of righteous people in the world that aren't religious, if that makes sense, especially when I talk about non-Jewish people. There are a lot of really upright, righteous people in the world. They do the right thing. They follow the laws. Uh, they're conscious about trying how they teach, treat other people. And they're going to be rewarded accordingly. Uh, and, and that's a, a beautiful thing to, to know. Uh, Rabbi Halil said, uh, a, a sort of a phrase that you could develop would be good. It says, what is hateful to, to you, do not do to your neighbor. Now, we kind of heard that. It, it, I think, the, what's the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Right. Or as I grew up believing, do unto others before they do it to you. That's another good good code, but I don't know if it's the right one. So, um, Righteousness is really the fulfillment at, at, in its base level of all legal and moral obligations. There is uh, a base level of righteousness that every one of us have, unless you're like, have, you know, unless you are just purely twisted to evil, there's a base level of what's right and what's wrong. But we're talking about a person who really focuses on wanting to know what is the right thing. We got into a discussion the other day, and I couldn't answer it. And I'm trying to think who I was in the discussion with. But we were talking about um, um, when you go into the hospital if you're sick, they call it a living will. Is that what that's called? And so we're having this discussion about, okay, well, this is what I would like. This is what I don't want to do, you know. Don't, you know, you know, if I'm on life support, take me off and and all that. And we started I started asking, well, actually, what is the right moral thing to do in that situation? Right. I mean, what is what is Torah say about, for example, if somebody's on life support and they're living while they're on life support, can you take them off? And if you take them off, are you participating in their death? I mean, those are asking the moral questions you really should ask early up front. This is, the, this is what we're talking about. Righteousness is not an abstract notion, but rather consists in doing what is just and right in all relationships across the board. How I treat my animals, 
how I treat my spouse, how I treat my children, how I treat my co-workers. Everything has to do with how I balance my life out. It says in Psalm 106.3, keep justice and do righteousness at all time. Isaiah 64.4 and Jeremiah 22.3, uh, as well as Ezekiel and Psalm, talks about righteousness Uh, Righteous actions result in social stability and ultimately in peace. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. I was chatting with someone the other day and they said, oh, my goodness, you never believe what happened. He says, going down the road and somebody pulled out right in front of me. They didn't pay attention to switching the lane. And I honked. And the next thing I know, the guy's beside me with a gun sticking out the window. Right. And he goes, ah, you know, you have to be really be careful. He goes, I was in the right, but I realized you got to be careful about everything you do nowadays. And he said, now that I think about it, I really didn't need to honk. It was done. What was done was done. It wasn't like the honking helped him not hit me. The honking was because he annoyed me because he pulled out in front of me. Right. And he says, I realized I probably shouldn't have done it. But when we talk about doing righteousness at all times, if everybody in the world, Tom had mentioned this earlier, if you took away within Torah all the things that does not apply to the non-Jew, and I'm talking about halakhic things and traditional things that may not apply, that is just specific to Judaism and temple worship, etc. All of the rest of the moral code that exists in there, if everyone would do that, we... The world would have, we would have world peace. We would absolutely have world peace. Just uh, a couple of days ago, right before the election, if you remember, the Saturday Night Live comedian made a joke about Dan Crenshaw. And it was tasteless, and it wasn't very funny, actually. But immediately, uh, the next day, one of the anchors asked Dan, do you think we, he should be forced to apologize? Said, no one should be forced to apologize if it doesn't come out of him naturally, it wouldn't be worth it. And his response was very gentlemanly and righteous, really. And he says if they really want to do something to show they're sorry, they would all raise money and give it to a, a military veteran's benefit of some kind. And then last night, of course, they had him on as a guest, and they sort of jousted back and forth with good humor. Uh, but that was in a spirit at some level of peace and goodness. Right. There was good intent behind the thing. And, and I told Melanie, I says, what in the world that we live in? Why can't people just work harder at peace? You have to work much harder to fight each other. You have to work much harder to downgrade and denigrate someone than it does just to live at peace with someone. But for some reason, the world that we live in finds it much more pleasurable to be at each other's throat. In the Bible, righteousness bears a distinct legal character. Now, here are the distinctions between a person's of right standing. What does righteousness mean? Being right with God, right standing. The righteous man is the innocent party, while the wicked man is the guilty one. And the judges judge them by justifying the righteous and condemning the wicked, according to Deuteronomy 25.1 and Exodus 23.7, etc. Righteousness requires not merely Uh, an uh, abstention from evil, but a constant pursuit of justice and the performance of positive deeds. Do you understand the difference? One can say, well, I don't do bad things, but if they never pursue good things, are they really righteous? No, they're not. 
And look, once again, there are people who are not religious who pursue doing good things for others and are righteous because of it. You see it all the time. So we have to remember one of the categories, one of the ways of knowing, am I a righteous person, is not whether you don't do bad things. Duh, there's a lot of people who don't do bad things. But those same people are not even interested in doing a good act. We should be people that are, are driven, constantly looking for a way to do a mitzvah, to do something good for someone else. And that is the pursuit of righteousness. The pursuit of righteousness is a person who may be oblivious of some character trait that you have that is counterproductive to righteousness. And then one day, maybe in a discussion with a co-worker or a boss or your spouse, they point something out and you go, oh, I didn't even realize I was, I was doing that. I didn't know I was doing that. And... And it's very embarrassing, especially when you get older, to realize you had no idea that you would do something like that. But somebody brings it to your attention, and it's embarrassing and humiliating. Now, you can choose to be a wicked person and blame everybody else by the reason why you're that way. Or you can be righteous and go, I was wrong, and I need to figure out how I can improve it. And I'm telling you, when you the older you get, the harder and more time it takes to fix those kinds of things because they get so entrenched. The meaning of righteousness is broadened to include actions beyond the letter of the law in the realms of ethics uh, and ritual. So what do we mean by that? It means that there we have a plumb line that the Torah gives us and says, this is what a righteous person does, or this is what the law requires. But a person who's truly righteous uh, tries to exceed those expectations at all times, right? Um, we were driving... Uh, to go get something to eat and we had just had the Torah class it was a couple of Sundays ago and we went to go get something to eat and, and I think it was uh, Ralph and some other people and so we go and whipped into I whipped into a parking space and it said for XYZ customers only right and I'm thinking oh man I'll just I'll just stay here and then I thought hold on a second how many times have I heard that if you park in a parking space that's not designated for that business then you're stealing from that business. I'm like, pull out and park somewhere else, right? It's like, you can't, it's like you you constantly struggle with those things. But that's what makes the world such an amazing place is that there are people who are actually thinking about those kinds of things. Paralleling the concept of righteousness is that of wickedness. Now, there are two words, uh, zadakah, and Russia, righteousness and wickedness. Failure to perform obligation leads to indirectly to upsetting the social stability and unfortunately to, to the deliberate undermining of the social structure. Society that we're living in today, uh, people may not intentionally be, be doing this, but behavior that is tearing apart the fabric of society is the behavior that lacks proper ethics and morality. Uh, you know, to boo uh, a politician and, and to, to denigrate him in, in a restaurant with his wife and children, is, it's, it's not classy at all. I don't care who you are, what side of the aisle, it's just not something you should do. It's just not. And I wouldn't promote it. I wouldn't promote it if they did it, uh, you know, conservative did it to somebody. 
uh, and it's like these are the kind. This is the kind of behavior that slowly sort of dim- dismantles uh, the whole fabric of society, and it's going to be paramount that righteous people in the world step it up. We need to step it up another notch. We can't go where they're going. We can't do that at all. It's, it would be terrible. Against the uh, judicial background of righteousness, the paradox of divine justice comes into uh, prominence. A doctrine of exactly balancing rewards and punishment contradicts the reality in which the man, uh, just man suffers in consequences is the very... It, it, of his very righteousness. And I can give you scriptural references for that. Uh, It's found in Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi. This individual problem takes on a, uh, a national character in Jewish history, throughout which an incident... Nation in an incident, nation is is constantly being persecuted. Uh, The paradox becomes even more striking in view of the legal character of the covenant between God and His people. And I and it says in Hosea two twenty one, and I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in justice. We had this discussion uh, last week in Parsha, and we talked about Esau saying, "I." What is this covenant to me? I'm going to die. And in one in one part of the Midrash, we discovered Esau's attitude was, if I try to live by this covenant, I'm going to be killed. I mean, the obligation of the covenant will be so strict that it will kill me. I will be put to death by God. And there's this idea that to to great response to to great obligation. Uh, becomes great responsibility. I mean, you have to follow these things accordingly or suffer the consequences of it. And this is the interesting thing. The more righteous a person becomes, the stronger the consequences for his behavior. For example, someone in society that is supposed to follow, a, uh, you know, for example, a, a, an, uh, let's say a, a state attorney, attorney, uh, attorney general, Right. If you found out that he was embezzling funds, like you would expect him to get hatcheted and put away. At the same time, somebody that works at maybe a Walmart in the garden center that's found out of taking some money out of the till is going to have a lot less expectation than the attorney general. Unfortunately, we live in a society where it's backwards. Now the attorney general can go, well, you know. Blue collar crime. I'll lawyer up. I'll get the best lawyers. And the poor schmuck that's in the in the Walmart ends up going to jail and having to pay a six thousand dollar fine, right? And it's not it's not it's not it's unfortunate, right? Because righteousness is not an inherent human characteristic. I want you to think about this. Righteousness, according to what we've learned so far, is not an inherited characteristic. Meaning, normally we don't think. Okay, this is the baseline. Let me go way above and beyond the call of duty. Normally we go, well, this is what everybody else is doing. Let's do it. So what happens, the lower the level of morality and ethics in a society, the lower the level of goodness in society. But true righteousness is who expounds on that. Yes? Is that a little bit like no being righteous? Thank you. Precisely. So Noah is righteous in this generation. That's like righteousness compared to what? Now he was righteous. Don't I'm not taking it away from Noah, but his society was absolutely corrupt and evil. 
And you know, and I even think about our own society. When I'm thinking how the the, the patriarchs uh, didn't have the the clutter that we have in a modern society, they don't have internet, they don't have TV, they don't have radio, they they don't have cell phones. They could spend hours contemplating. It says that that one would go to the field and pray in the middle of the day, and other would sit in the in the in the evening and pray. And you think about how in the world did these these men become so righteous? It's because they had the time to contemplate it. Folks, I hate to tell you, as much as we strive, we will only be more righteous than the baseline of our society, right? Unless we get rid of all of the clutter that allows us to focus, right? It doesn't mean that we can't be a tzaddik, because we know, according to Rabbi Moshe Kamlazato, we can be like a great tzaddik. But we, we're going to have to do the work and the effort to become like that. We can't say, well, you know, if that's how they do it, then we'll just do that, do it that way. Any, any comments real quick? Yes. Um, we have exactly the same amount of time that they did. They really didn't have more time than we did. Correct. And because we just because we have all of this technology and everything doesn't mean we have to spend our time right. slave to it. Right. We we should have the power over it, not it have the power over us. If anything, think about this. If anything, we probably have more time since the fact we have power and electricity that doesn't you know, back then when the sun went down at six, seven o'clock, it was dark. You didn't set up to three o'clock in the morning playing video games. Here, we have the same amount of time, and if we would apply it properly, think about what we could achieve. Another thing, too, though, in our society, if you, a person that's sitting around and contemplating, you're really thought to be lazy. I mean, everything is about productivity in our Right. Day. Productivity is king. Right. And so, you know, if you're not always doing something, right. we, to, you know, it's hard to carve that out. We watched a video today on uh, people that's a new trend in society where millennials are, uh, what do they call that, um, retiring at 30? And the whole idea is you learn to retire at 30 by when you are young, in your 20s, you save 90% of what you work, make, right? 70 to 90% of what you work, make. And you live off of very little. You 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 know, bare bones. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, these people, yeah, live off their parents. That's true. That's never thought about that. That's how they save all. Yeah, but I would think that most of these had they had like kids and stuff like that. So they just learned. They lived in a little small home. They had bicycles. You know, they they didn't have friv- you know they weren't frivolous. But here they're in their thirties. But the reason why they're retiring is they're actually living on thirty thousand dollars a year. Right, they've learned how to live within their means, and and so and they're they're relaxed. They don't have stress, you know. They they and he says we work when we want to work, and it's not because they've worked and got six million dollars in the bank. It's because they've worked and said let's not have debt so that we can save enough to where we can put it into where we can draw money off of it and. And work little side jobs here and there, and I'm thinking that's smart. But once again, our society is so consumer driven. And look, I, I'm grateful that we live in a capitalist, consumer driven society because we have so many jobs. But because of it, think about how many jobs would be lost today if the internet went down. 
millions, millions of jobs. There'd be no cell phones. You realize the internet went down, we wouldn't have cell phones. Because all the internet systems are tied in through through, through the network, internet system. I mean, all the things that we have, jobs that we have because of technology, it's great. But at the same time, we're so driven to buy the biggest thing, the latest thing, that we forget we're, we're actually compounding our inability to become more righteous. Right? We're so focused on more stuff that we're not realizing what we should be focused on is receiving more wisdom from Torah and from God himself. Um, Right. But you know you're going to eventually have to pay for something. Right. Because, you know, I never take off with the John Lennon on the TV. I didn't know what the TV was going to say. I don't want to have any desire to watch TV. If I want to watch something on YouTube, I put something on. It might be a TV kind of show. But still, I mean, maybe I'm a little too backwards, but I'm the same token. If you live within the means, I can afford a TV. I can hear that for a cookie. But still, I don't have to have the biggest, you know, right. the size of that TV. It doesn't work either. So. <laughs> right. No, that's the old one. Yeah. So, right. So let me ask you this. And this is not a trick question, but I just want you to put your Torah wisdom. Does righteousness mean that you're perfect and you don't sin? Oh. So if you think that's what righteousness is and it's out of the, erase that out of your mind. That's not what it is. A righteous person, and I'm, let me read this, uh, Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there is not a righteous man upon earth that doeth good and sins not. And it doesn't mean that there is no righteous men or women. It means that there is no righteous man or woman who does not sin and who has not doing so, done something that was, that was wrong. So what is a righteous person? A righteous person is one who's constantly pursuing and pushing the envelope of personal perfection, of perfecting their neshama, their soul, and their mind, their attitude, their, their character traits, all of those. The impossibility of achieving absolute righteousness, however, does not preclude the constant striving to the end. Okay? None of us are going to get to where we don't have, you know, that we, we arrive. And then when you think that you have you really haven't at all, okay? So if you ever know somebody that says, I finally arrived, just kind of shake your head and tell them you'll pray for them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, now, look, the Jews emulate the patriarchs, conscious that God evaluates even the righteous in relative terms. What do we mean by that? As you said, Noah was righteous in his generation. All of those are relative terms. In the society that you grew up in and you lived in, uh, you li- say a person is raised in an absolute amoral society. No moral background. They're going to be judged on their level of righteousness based on what they have known and what has been inputted. Now, the problem is, is none of us in this room are going to get away with going, well, I didn't know, because now we have the Torah and we have this great book that helps guide us And for us to say that we don't know is meaning that you didn't take time to figure it out. It says, be not righteous overmuch, neither make yourself otherwise. Ecclesiastes 7.16. Now, what does that mean? 
says, be not righteous over much. And don't try to be too overly righteous. Neither make thyself over wise. Now, what is the mean? There you go. Quit, you know, and we look in, in our postmodern society, we use the word piety. That's what we think of. Somebody's, oh, I'm so pious. Right. But in reality, the piety of, of, of Torah means that a person who's actually working and achieving those things. But what it means is don't go around trying to act like you're super right. What's that? Yeah. Hoity toity. Right. Yeah. You know, goody tissue. And like, you know, for example, if somebody says, hey, why don't you know, do you want some X, Y, Z or do you want this or that? And it's something that you don't do or eat or participate in. You don't need to make a big deal out of it. Just just say, no, I'll pass. Thank you. You just don't need to make a big deal out of it. Um, what, what's, what's the word say? They said, uh, oh, there's a statement about people who quit smoking. Gosh, what's the word for it? A statement. Something like that. Do I? Yeah, they overcompensate. Yeah. It's like they quit smoking and they overcompensate. So anytime anybody smokes or talk about smoking or anything, it's like, ah, it's terrible. It's horrible. Everybody's going to split hell wide open, right? And it's like, whoa, back off a little bit, right? Um, there's a concept called Zadikim Nitzarim. It's called the hidden righteous of our generation, right? Uh, and it can be found throughout the, the Midrashim and, in, and the scripture itself. But this whole idea that every generation has the hidden righteous. And, and, and I'm praying that this class is what causes us to sort of be the hidden righteous in the world. That we constantly are thinking about what can we do not to skate by but to do to do better. The prophets conceived of the ideal society in terms of righteousness. Isaiah 28, 17, 60, 21, Jeremiah 23, 7 through 5. I can list another five verses. Subsequent attempts to formulate a code for an ideal society rest heavily on practical principles of Day, daily uh, righteous conduct. Uh, the, uh, for example, the teachings of the, the teacher of righteousness in the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, eschatology, righteous actions within righteous societies will restore peace in the world and will reestablish Jerusalem as the citadel, the capital of righteousness. Isaiah one twenty six to twenty seven. I will restore my judges afterward. Thou shalt be called the city of righteousness. You see, what what are we all trying to accomplish in the world? I know that we use the phrase Mashiach now, but really we should be saying righteousness now. Because really what the ultimate thing that's going to take place is when Mashiach comes, Jerusalem will become the eternal capital of Israel. It will actually become the capital of the world, if you were to think about that. And, and then from there, righteousness will rule and reign. We should be the example as if Mashiach is already here and that righteousness has already been achieved. Now, in the last, in last statements, I would like to take a couple of ideas from um, Ramchal. And it says that the way a man... Uh, um, there are many practices to approach uh, the idea of righteousness, but the principal path to approaching righteousness is developing the zeal and desire and love for Hashem. Not love out of fear, but love like a father, that you want to please him, you want to do well, 
righteousness, though we know is not in, in inherent in, in human beings, that is something that has to be developed, it's not developed in a vacuum of, oh my God, I'm scared I'm going to go to hell, or I'm going to be punished. Righteousness comes from purity and love for, for God. You do what you like. You do what you love. And if you love the Creator, if you love His Torah, then achieving righteousness becomes so much easier and so much more effortless. And if you love Torah, you will study. You will make it a part of your practice of your life. That it's more than just studying the, the Torah uh, and the, the Tanakh. But it's about taking and applying each one of these stories that we hear to a practical level. That when we walk out of the door, we're actually fundamentally transforming ourselves into a more righteous person. That concludes the shiur. Now we have Q&A. Yes, ma'am.